What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Smalley Talk Podcast. This is your host, Josh Shrinko. I am by myself right now in Smalley Talk Studio A. Uh, actually went to bed, watched a little bit of the Pacer game, and decided that I wanted to record some um, good information for Smalley Talk listeners. Um, it's been a couple weeks since we've had our last episode. I texted Chris today and asked him if he wanted to do an episode uh, like through Skype late tonight, and um, the son of a bitch didn't text me back. So, Chris, when you hear this, screw you, man. I just decided to do it myself. Um, no, I've actually been thinking uh, about doing some different things for the winter time. you know, just... It's kind of, we had a, had a cold snap here recently. It's in the teens today. And, uh, you know, just really thinking about different kind of topics that I could discuss. And um, like I was saying, or we were saying before, we have some guests that are um, we want to be on. So we'll have, um, you know, a few guests coming up. But I wanted to do a little bit more of, actually, you know what made me think of it, is we got a... Like a, I think it was a messenger on Facebook, and it I don't even remember who it was from, but somebody said, hey, why don't you do an episode where you talk about what's like in your like box that you take out to the river, which we do the what's new in your box segment, which kind of highlights some like recent stuff we bought, but never really talk about like in general what I bring out like in total, and Sitting next to me here is my trusty Wilderness Systems kayak crate, hashtag Wildy Fishing, and this is generally when I go out on a um, like a kayak trip. So I have kind of two different um, systems. You know, if I'm doing a, a wade or a kayak trip. Uh, obviously, waiting, you're not going to be able to take near as much stuff unless you're, you know, pulling some sort of tote like a kayak or something. But I'm going to really focus on kind of my wilderness systems crate that comes with me pretty much every trip, the categories of the boxes that I have in it, and kind of what's what's in actually in my box, not just what's new in my box, what's in my box, and. What I'm going to do, um, so right now I'm going to kind of go over the different boxes that I carry in there, and then each episode I'm going to do a series of these where I just break down one Plano box inside my kayak crate, and I'm going to go over just kind of my, I have everything organized by types of lures, kind of water column, and I'm going to go over just um, the very specific baits that I carry with me why I carry them, what situations I use them in, and then also give you guys some little um, maybe tips because I do uh, customize a lot of my lures. So it'll give you guys a chance to kind of, you know, get a feel for what, what I'm doing out there. Not that, you know, I'm like this 
famous fishermen or anything, but I can catch some damn smallmouth. So if you, um, you know, like to kind of hear the nitty gritty stuff, like stuff that you can actually go out and get and do, this is going to be a good episode for you. Um, I think today I'm in the mood to do talk about some top water. So we're going to break down my top water box. But first, I'm going to kind of turn here. Hopefully I don't lose audio quality. And I'm going to open my crate and I'm going to share with you all what boxes I carry. So this kayak crate super cool. It has um, a top compartment that opens up and I have basically I carry my wire baits in the top so I carry my spinner baits buzz baits chatter baits in the top I also carry um, my leader material which I have um, I'll, I'll maybe do an episode online too because that's a pretty hot topic carry my um, fluorocarbon up there and then uh, usually I'll carry a few trailers uh, kind of handy trailers that i like to put on the back of my spinner baits and a buzz baits occasionally, but mostly spinner baits. So I have uh, some trailers and then my wire baits and my leader material inside the actual crate itself, which is kind of a big storage compartment. I have, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, um, I guess small or medium sized Plano boxes. They're all waterproof. And I can't remember the size of these. I, I want to say they're 3,600. Um, I'm not sure exactly what size they are, but they're the smaller ones. You know, you have kind of the big standard ones, and then you have the smaller ones. And the reason I use that size is because they fit in kind of sideways. Um, then I have a kind of soft binder for all my soft plastics, and I have those, you know, organized pretty well. And... Um, and then at the very top, I actually carry, um, actually carry the Cal Coast Fishing Battle Box, and that's where all my terminal tackle goes. So, if you guys haven't checked out the Battle Box, highly recommend it. Uh, I fought for years um, trying to find a terminal tackle box that worked for me. And that thing has been a revelation. It's um, hard to explain. It's actually, I'm going to start doing some more video content. And just to kind of tag on to this, I am going to put a video out. I know we always say we're going to do this, but I am going to put a video out. Since you guys can't actually see these lures I'm going to be talking about today, I'm going to put a video out that shows you um, just some of the ones I was talking about. I'm not going to go in great depth, just going to kind of, show the the lure itself so you can go reference that if you have any questions especially some of the stuff that i do with them is a little um uh, unconventional you know you can actually see what it looks like uh, but the battle box from cal coast fishing is super cool i'll do a review on that and then i also want to do a review on just my crate in general because the setup on it is baller so anyways um i'm gonna close that up here and then I'm going to scooch this over, and I'm going to open up. So, um, I didn't touch on the types of boxes, that's what I was going to do. So, I have I know them by heart. I have a topwater box, which um, obviously I'm talking about today. So, anything, I would consider anything 
like top water to be like I, I consider it true top water. So like a wake bait, while some people classify that as a top water bait, I'm gonna call that subsurface. Um, so I have a top water box. Let's see here. I have a swim bait slash large bait box. So I kind of it's almost like an overflow box, um, but it has some glide bait swim baits in there. All hard stuff. Um, then I have my crankbait box, which basically has any like build crankbaits and also has lipless crankbaits in it. And then I have my wake bait box, which is kind of weird. I got into a really big wake bait phase uh, a couple years ago because I was killing it on them, and I probably went overboard and buying wake baits. But I do have a dedicated wake bait box. And then I have my jig box. It's pretty pretty simple. So swim baits, crank baits, wake baits, jigs, top water. And that's, you know, and then obviously I have my soft plastics and terminal tackle that I already talked about. So we're going to talk about the top water baits today. Kind of what I like. And top water baits, they are, um, they're surprisingly can the the difference in topwater baits while you might think like well you know a small mouse see something on top and if it's going to hit top it's going to hit anything but one of the things i found over the years that you probably you know especially guys that are kind of learning and trying to figure a small mouth out is topwater when they're on a topwater bite they can be that can be one of the most finicky bites that a small mouth is on and you know, you top water baits, obviously, you know, there's a wide gamut of different types of top water, but you have, you know, your buzz baits, which I touched on, um, you know, that are on the top of my box. So I'll have to get those back out. But, um, and then I have, you have, uh, you know, like your prop baits, like a whopper plopper type of thing, um, or, you know, could be, um, well, we'll talk about the different ones. And then you have walk the dog baits, you have popping baits, there's all kinds of different, um, you know, frogs, there's all kinds of different stuff. So, um, what the reason I say that is that the difference in throwing like a whopper plopper with a consistent retrieve versus like a spook in the walk the dog um, bait is going to be like two completely different bites. And... I mean, it's almost as different as like, you know, like a spinner bait and a, uh, a jig bite, like just two really different bites. And sometimes they like it slow and sometimes they like it moving. And you would think like, well, if they like it moving, you know, they'll probably hit it slow too, but that's not really the case. Sometimes that, that fast, you know, moving top water on the surface really like triggers a bite and it's it's weird you want to you know common sense would kind of tell you like they'll hit one top water they'll hit it all but that's just you know just couldn't be further from the truth and even take it another level one thing i've learned the last couple years watching chris fish um, flies he loves that boogle popper man let me tell you that's like the ned rig of top waters it's like the super finesse bite of top waters and there are times when they don't want anything that I have in my box, but man, they love that boogle popper. And I don't know why, you know, I guess the the one that makes a little bit more sense to me because of 
the that resembles like a bug um you know whereas you know all those other baits are a lot bigger profile those bugle poppers are so small and you you know there's nothing comparable that's the one time when i say that fly fishing really gives an advantage over conventional is when they're on that super finesse bait in warm water that bugle popper man it's there you just can't duplicate it with with conventional gear there's just nothing out there you can get you know somewhat close with like smaller top waters but that bugle poppers can be used so subtly it's it's pretty crazy um so for those that don't fly fish and don't know what that is go and you know youtube some videos of guys throwing a bugle popper they're literally just a tiny little piece of foam with some rubber legs on it and you know a couple things a hackle or whatever like tiny little things hanging off the back but they or like a micro pop R is the best way I can explain it. So anyways, so I kind of forgot about the buzz baits because I'm, um, they're in a separate section here, but I'm going to pull those out first because that's kind of your, I guess, you know, different people think of top waters different ways. Get these out before I start talking again. But growing up, my dad, and you guys have may or may not have listened to the episode with him in it. We call him the legend. But he <laughs> he will throw a buzz bait like nonstop. That guy's crazy. He loves throwing buzz baits, and he'll throw buzz baits, you know, ninety degree weather, middle of the day, and doodle catching one, and it's pretty crazy. Uh, but anyways, um, I've gotten away with. I've gotten away from throwing buzz baits as much as I used to, and probably the reason, and I, I you know, hate to admit this, but it's kind of the advent of the Whopper Plopper, um, and the reason why it's not because the Whopper Plopper has like a great like action compared to a buzz bait. I think they're very similar. Whopper Plopper's profile is a little bit different, sounds a little bit different, but in general they're they're really similar. The hookup ratio on a Whopper Plopper is just a lot better. Now, when you get them on, the buzzbait does keep the fish on a little bit better than a whopper plopper, but the actual hookup ratio is, you know, pretty pretty significant. Now, I got my buzzbaits out here. It looks like I have, let's see here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. So, I carry about a dozen buzzbaits with me. The majority are your traditional single-bladed um, wire buzzbait. I do have a couple inline buzzbaits, which I've never actually got that great of results out of them, but I do still have a couple, and I've caught some fish on them. I haven't really, um, I think they're a lot harder to pop up after on your retrieve, which is, so I have two of them. One of the very um, nuanced things about throwing a buzzbait that people probably won't even pay attention to that really gives you an advantage over someone else throwing a buzzbait is the ability to start your retrieve immediately. So, a couple things there. Don't don't be that guy that throws a buzzbait with a spinning reel. Like it doesn't. It's not the right tool for the job. Yes, you can do it, but your buzzbait sinks down like a foot before you have a chance to retrieve it. And that's something that you should practice when you're throwing a buzzbait. Is and I actually what I do is I take when I make my cast, I kind of thumb my line. And I use the rod tip to start that initial retrieve. So as soon as that buzzbait hits the water, it's right up on top. 
and then I use my reel to, you know, retrieve it the rest of the way. Um, that's something that's uh, probably a technique that people don't think about because a lot of where you're throwing at, you're throwing at uh, top where you're throwing a lot of visual targets. So a lot of times that first, you know, six inches to a foot of that retrieve is like the target of where the fish is at. And if that buzzbait's underwater, that is not a good place for it to be. Um, although you can catch them like that occasionally, because it's kind of like a little spinnerbait, you want that buzzbait to pop up as soon as it hits the water. So that's something really important to think about when you're throwing one. Um, I do have one double-bladed buzzbait, which is kind of a legend special, this Accent Busby 2. And there are some advantages of throwing that. I just don't like how they cast. They're too bulky. And for largemouth, they make a lot of racket because you can kind of pinch the blades together and they hit. Um, and they have little floats on them. They're good in certain situations, like maybe muddy or water, that sort of thing. But I only have one. My dad loves to throw those. Now, they do come up a little bit faster and easier because of the double blades than a single-bladed buzzbait. So if you have trouble doing that or you are throwing like something on a spin spinning reel because you don't know how to use a bait caster or whatever, a double-bladed buzzbait is going to be better than a single-blader. Um, most of these, I think, are around a quarter ounce. So I don't throw a real big half-ounce um, buzz baits are all pretty like medium profile file I would say not small I have one like kind of finesse buzz bait and I don't really throw it that much back when um, old Chris Vaughn was back in the day he loved a little micro buzz bait um, but general generally I keep um, kind of that um, just quarter ounce medium profile um, buzz bait. So you, really, like you can go about anywhere and buy the type of buzz baits that I, I use 90% of the time. Um, Color-wise, I'm looking at them. Most of them, actually almost all of them are white with a little bit of chartreuse in them. And, you know, I, I don't know if I just have done that subliminally, like, or subconsciously, however you say that. Um, but, yeah, I, if I'm throwing like a buzzbait most time I'm looking at lighter colors I have two darker color buzzbaits and that would be more like what I would throw if it was kind of semi-stained water um, one of these I really like and I um, I'll have to look it up here while we're um, while we're on it is literally I think we've talked about it on the podcast um, it's made by Jackal let's see here buzzbait Jackal buzzbait so yeah, it's called the Jackal Firecracker, and this thing, <laughs> Chris was giving me such a hard time, so we were, so you can kind of hear it, I'm going to put it in front of the camera, hang on here, so it has this like secondary blade that slaps against the main blade, and it makes this, <laughs> it makes this sound going through the water, it literally sounds like, it sounds like a machine. Um, but it's really loud. It's the loudest buzz bait I've ever seen. And it's really well built. It's a Japanese lure. It has a really thick wire on it. It's not that flexible. Sharp hook. Um, I've actually, I threw that a lot last year and had some success. So, and part of that was because we had muddy water. So, and then I would say the last thing I'm going to talk about with buzz baits is, um, trailer hooks. So that's something you'll find yourself using a lot, or at least I do, with, with buzzbaits, 
they're notorious for short strikes and something that can help but also makes it a little bit more difficult to throw because of the weedless part of it if you're in like vegetation or whatever is going to be you know the trailer kind of kind of free floating back there and it'll snag a lot of stuff but it does help and a lot of times um you know i catch them right on the on the trailer hook when they're short striking it so now trailer hooks are basically just the same size of hook as what your buzzbait would have except the eye is a lot bigger and you can slip it over the barb of the main hook and you secure it with some sort of piece of rubber tubing or what have you. There's a lot of different ways to do it. I'm probably not the guy to ask because the solutions I found work okay. But um, anyways, so that's my buzzbait lineup. I always have that box in there. You know, I really just never take it out. Even though, you know, a lot of times I won't be throwing top water. Just kind of a staple category of lure I'm always going to carry with me. Um... All right, hang on here. Try not to hook myself. All right, so that's my buzz baits. Now I'm going to talk about my kind of hard plastic top waters. All right, so taking a glance at this box, I have so I have um, three different styles of whopper ploppers, which. For all the hate that those things get, <laughs> they catch freaking fish. And if you, uh, you know, kind of one of those guys that are like, uh, think they're dumb because you're like too good of a fisherman to fish them, or they're like, you know, Chris calls them the Big Mac of smallmouth lures. Um, well, you know, I feel sorry for you because they work. And be honest with you, you know, that second place finish I got at the uh, White River Tournament, came chucking a 110 black whopper plopper all day long so here's i kind of touched on a little bit but these are heavily related to the buzz bait with a few advantages and a couple disadvantages so one the advantage i would say um a big advantage is the fact that they float so that whole technique that i talked about about having to pop up your you know buzz bait when it hits the water, you don't have that problem with the whopper plopper. It sits on top of the water. Although, I do think most of the time when you're fishing it um, kind of in that constant retrieve mode, you do want to have that same um, that same style of retrieve. As soon as it hits the water, you want it going. Um, it has, the best thing is it has two nasty treble hooks on it and usually if a fish hits a whopper plopper with any sort of veracity you're going to hook up now you do get a little bit of um you do will lose fish on them occasionally um, because of a treble hook anybody that throws treble hook lures knows that they just you know will come off sometimes you'll lose the fish so that's just something you have to live with um but so i have all three sizes i have i think this is the 70 the 90 and the 110. I do have one 130, and I use that very sparingly. It's actually in my swim bait box because it's so humongous. Um, the 90s, I used to throw a lot, and honestly, I don't really throw them anymore. Um, personally, I think I either want, I almost literally would take these all out of my box. I've caught a ton of fish on them, don't get me wrong, but the or it's the 75, it's not the 70. The 75 and the 110 are just perfect sizes. If they want smaller profile, go to the 75. 
If they want bigger, go with the 110. And the 90 was kind of notorious for kind of doing getting line twists. I don't know if it's because it's it's kind of slimmer profile than the 75, but it's about the same length. Um, yeah, so if you look at them, the 90's a little bit longer, like by like, I don't know, an eighth of an inch, but it's like way skinnier. Um, the 110 is significantly bigger than either one of them. Uh, it's probably about twice the length of the 75. Um, and I honestly, I find myself throwing that 75 more than anything. And color-wise, this is just me, guys. You can do whatever you want. I have two colors of Wobber Plovers. I don't buy any other ones besides Loon and Bone. And if it's kind of muddier water, I throw black or loon. If it's, you know, that that clear water, I'll throw bone. Now, I did have a couple 90s that were like, I don't remember what color they were, but they were like that really like clear stuff. And those do come in handy sometimes. But if the water is so clear that the bone is too like bold of a color, I probably won't throw a whopper plover, period. Those are definitely more for your um, at least cloudy water. Um, if not, you know, stained, super clear water, it's going to be hard to catch them. I mean, you can for sure, but it's a lot harder. Um, something that about half of these baits have, and this is kind of the secret sauce for me, um, is, oh, there's a little, one of my three trebles are missing on this one. It's good to know. Uh, so I, um, either buy pre-tied feather trebles or... I get Chris to tie them for me, um, and my actually my wife's grandpa's tied a few for me. He's a he's a big fly guy, so shout out to Al Fish if he's listening. But um, yeah, that rear treble, I don't know really how much of a difference it makes, but man, I have seen times where I've been throwing baits without a rear, or I've been catching a bunch of fish. I lose the rear treble, the feather on it, and then I can't catch anymore. And honestly, I think it's just a nice touch in semi-clear water. So in muddy water, it's not going to matter. Um, and I really only have them on my like 75s and 90s. So look, I have one, you know, 90 right here with one, 175 with one on here. Um, so that's kind of the whopper plopper situation. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven whopper ploppers in here. Um, so that's about what I carry. And then I have plenty of backup, but that's just what I take with me um in whopper plopper hooks by the way they're super sharp um when you take them out of the box but they do dull fast so you know just kind of keep an eye on that um you know i i switch them out pretty quick usually within i don't know three or four trips the the um factory ones have dulled down and i'll i'll put some you know aftermarket ones on there um so the next one i'll talk about is something I bought, uh, it's been, oh, you know what, here's what we'll do this, we'll stick with this more staples, so I have two Super Spook Juniors, um, I have one that's like a bluegill color, and then one that's the, um, this is, uh, doubt this guy listens to this podcast, but if he does, it's Matt Nelson, aka ND Yak Angler Special, this is the Saltwater Spook Junior with a feather treble, redhead silver body it's this is a badass little bait and honestly i'll put a picture up of it it's beat to hell it's got um paint missing all over it i've caught a lot a lot a lot of fish and then this bluegill color 
um, just like a, kind of my backup one. I probably honestly should just have all those red redhead ones because I like throwing that way better than the other one. Um, yeah, I like the Spook, Super Spook Junior. It's about the same size as it's uh, yeah, so it's about the same length as the 110 Whopper Plopper, but it's a lot slimmer profile. Now this is a Walk the Dog bait, and honestly, a Super Spook is kind of a difficult lure to learn to throw to get to walk to the dog consistently with um you got to have a little bit of um practice with it before you can do it because it tends to kind of wants to slide uh if you're not retrieving it correctly or retrieving it too fast or too slow um i do like throwing these on spinning gear because they're kind of a lighter topwater bait so I'll throw it on like a seven foot um medium medium light spinning reel and the Whopper Plopper is just so, I go back a little bit. The 110 I throw on a medium heavy 7 foot bait caster. The 75s I usually throw on like my medium 7 foot bait caster. So, um, yeah, all, bait casters only for Whopper Ploppers. But Spooks, you can throw them on a bait caster. But because they're lighter, I like to throw them on a spinning reel. Now those, I if they're hitting a Spook a lot of times... I don't want it to be constantly moving. So a lot of times they'll be on that bite where they like it when it's sitting. So um, probably my most common retrieve with the spook is going to be like walk it like five or six times, let it sit. Or uh, something Chris is actually really good at. He'll He's really good at, you know, letting it sit. I'm kind of impatient that way. But we had a trip where he was killing it. Um, and I was getting kind of frustrated and I was watching him. And he was literally um, walking the dog into, like, the little eddy area where the fish were at. And he would just let it sit for, like, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds. And then those fish would eventually come up and, boom, hit it. Um, so sometimes that's what the, you know, doctor orders when they're just, you know, they like it sitting. And they'll you'll kind of watch them. I think he's learned this from fly fishing. It happens a lot. Those fish will nose up to it and sit under it for four or five seconds before they'll finally decide to hit it. And... That's honestly, you want to know the truth, now that I think about it, that's where the feather really comes in handy. I think on those situations where you you have a bait sitting still and the fish are looking at it and that feather's just kind of, you know, moving in the current and it's kind of glimmering, that's when they, you know, trigger a bite. So two Super Spook Juniors. Moving on to a different, newer Walk the Dog bait is an ever this is exactly what it's called this is an evergreen shower blow 105 um i'm wish chris was here because i'm sure he'd make a <laughs> i'm sure he'd make a perverted joke about shower blow but anyways uh this is um a bait that is similar in design to the fluke except or the fluke sorry you can tell i really like flukes to the spook Except it's weighted in the back, so it sits in the water at a like a probably forty-five degree angle. It's got like a larger back portion and it's tapered towards the front. And then the front actually has two like lips that when you walk the dog it actually spits water side to side. These are pretty expensive. I want to say they're like fifteen, twenty bucks a piece. Um, but they are really easy to walk the dog with. They come with a feather treble. And they're a badass bait, honestly. And that's really, um, you know, they're heavier than a, a, a Super Spook Junior. 
um, so a little easier to cast. So I do throw these on a bait caster, and I've caught a lot of fish on these the last couple years. Um, I only have two of them in my box, um, but the hooks are like ridiculously sharp, and they don't dull. So um, that is the evergreen shower below. Um, and then the last walk the dog bait I'm going to talk about is this Lucky Craft Sammy. And these are baits I used to throw a whole lot, and I kind of got away from them. And I don't know why. Um, they're kind of a cross between a spook and then this evergreen shower blow. And I guess it would be... Um, they do walk the dog a little bit better. and they So they sit in the water like the evergreen bait. Um, but they don't have the spitting capabilities. So it's almost like a more subtle one of these evergreen baits. And they... I think they might actually come with feathers on them, but this one doesn't that I have. But I haven't thrown a Sammy in a while. I, I can't remember what size this is. It's like a 100 maybe or 200. I I don't. I think it's a 200 because the 100 is real small. So um, 200. Um, caught a lot of fish on them before, like a lot, a lot, a lot of fish. Um, but you know, over the last probably two or three seasons, just they've kind of collected dust in my box but I always have one with me you never know and so the last kind of bait that I have multiple of is the um, hubs chub and this is a an old bait uh, that I think actually like went discontinued the company discontinued and someone bought it and they brought it back this is a really cool kind of this is about as finesse as it gets for um, uh, top water on conventional gear and I'll tell you, um, you can't throw this with a baitcaster unless you have some kind of crazy JDM baitcaster that can throw light lures. These are super light. Um, it's a very, think about uh, if you guys have used like a head and torpe tiny torpedo, similar to that, except it only has one prop in the back, but it basically floats, sits on top of the water, and when you jerk it, it kind of zips. So it's like zip, 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 zip. But it's really small. Caught a lot of fish on them. Um, I think Chris Snodgrass introduced me to this, which there's a guide out on the Menominee River, Mike Maladnik, that I don't know if he's like pro staff for them or what, but he like loves these things. And the last time I went up there, he like told us to stock up, and I bought like 10 of them. Um, and that's when I started using them. Mainly the colors I use on that are black, and then I have this like chrome and black one, which that one obviously I've caught a shit ton of smallmouth on because it's literally missing like 90% of its paint. Um, but yeah, that's, that's good bait. And then kind of wrap this up. Um, I have a few kind of random things. I have this, um, I bought this at a show last year. I think it's a lucky craft Kelly J it's similar to that. Um, hubs chub, except it has two props on it. Honestly, this has never hit the water, so I'm not going to talk about it very much. But it's an intriguing bait to me. Um, and then this one I've caught a decent amount of fish on this past year. But this is the Jackal Pompadour Jr. This bait is wild looking. It's got a tiny little prop on the back. And then it has these two wings that pop out. They're metal. And when you retrieve it with a really slow... Um, constant retrieve it kind of wobbles back and forth 
So this one's similar. I'm trying to think of the bait, uh, jitterbug. So it's similar movement, almost like a side to side as a jitterbug, except it's like five times as loud as a jitterbug. The metal rattles around. This thing's pretty badass. And honestly, I see myself fishing this more and more because of how unique it is and how much noise it makes. Um, almost reminds me of like a cicada or something. That's it's kind of the shape of the cicada. So like a cicada that's dying on the water or something. But I've had some insane strikes on this thing. Like, I mean, like ferocious strikes. They're pretty cool baits. So uh, everything has this, you know, time and a place. The hooks seem really nice. I've had this thing for a full season. They're still razor sharp. And I've caught a lot of fish on it. So, I think that about wraps up my box. Oh, I do have one more little Yazuri topwater that I actually caught a lot of fish on, but I haven't fished it in probably two years. It's, it looks just like one of these hub chubs, except it's like a Japanese, you know, style, nicer looking. Um, but yeah, that's all my topwater stuff. Um, so, I don't keep the color, color-wise on anything, like, even, like this Pompadour Jr., it's like the bone color. Um, and then most of my stuff's either like black or it's like, you know, like a whitish, like a shad type of color. Um, I, I really in any, a topwater bait it, to me, color is not near as important. And when you start, when I start going through some of my other boxes, certain, if you're in the middle or the bottom of the water column, color comes way more into play, but you know, top water. I feel like light and dark um, is is about what it's at. I think that the feather on the walk the dog bakes make a difference more than anything. And I will show you guys some of the um, on the video. I'm going to shoot right after this. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, that's basically my top water box. Um, Hopefully I didn't give away too many secrets, but I honestly, when you start to see through my, my boxes, I keep it pretty simple. I'm not carrying a ton of tackle. Like I have, like I said, just a, I think five or six Plano boxes in that soft plastic binder. And then that's about, you know, all I take with me, but I try to keep it instead of like a loading and unloading certain types of tackle. I try to cover all my bases the baits that I use a lot, like those Whopper Poppers or the Spooks or um, those Evergreen Shower Blows, I carry two of each of them just in case I break one off. And I'm like right in it, the middle of like, you know, feeding frenzy. I at least have something that I have confidence with that I can tie right back on and, you know, throw it in the water. Um, so I usually carry two. And then stuff that I don't use very often. I, um, you know, tend to just carry one of them. And then if I end up doing well and, you know, using it more, then I might go out and get, um, another one. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's what's in my top water box guys. I, I hope this, uh, was informative for you. Um, I'm going to save, we, I think we did get a couple more reviews and I believe we actually hit the hundred mark. Um, let me see here. So... Smalley talk. Let's see here. We have 100 ratings. Um, so pretty uh, pretty pumped about that. Um, I tell you what we're gonna do. 100 ratings. I'm going to. I'm gonna give do a giveaway at the on our next episode with Chris and I. So I'm gonna come up with. 
a giveaway. So we're going to give away at least one. We'll give you give you at least one of the Smalley Talks stickers, one of the Quest for Twenty Three stickers, and then we're also going to throw in a bait of my choice, a lure of my choice, and a fly of Chris's choice. So we're going to do all that, um, and we will come up with something on social media where you guys have to do something to qualify for it, and we'll give it away. So keep an eye out for that in the next, we'll probably record within the next week. So keep an eye out for that. Um, so the, the next, uh, you know, episode uh, that I'll do in this kind of series, I'll probably go through my crankbait box because that's, I use those a lot. So we'll go through the crankbait box next. So if you guys are interested in what kind of crankbaits I carry, what kind of crankbaits, um, you know, using the rivers, uh, tune in for that episode. But hope, hopefully you guys got something out of this topwater um, episode because there are some really good tidbits specifically like, you know, I was talking about how to retrieve certain lures. Those may, those are the differences more than color and more than the type of baits you can buy and all that stuff. Those tips are the ones that really make a big difference because when I'm out on the water and I'm with someone else that maybe is struggling and I'm doing well and I'm kind of watching what they're doing differently, that's what I usually notice because, you know, one of the first things that a guy will ask you, like, well, what are you throwing? And, you know, I've had circumstances where I've literally taken a bait out of my box and thrown it to them, the exact same thing. And they continue to not catch fish. And what I usually will find is that they are doing something different than me, like throwing the buzz bait. Um, now, some of that stuff, you, you know, it's acquired skills, like throwing it close to a target or what have you. But if you're throwing a buzz bait at the right place, but you're not, you know, re- popping it up on the retrieve right away, like you're not going to catch as many fish and you will catch some, but you're definitely going to catch, not catch as many. And a lot of times that means you're missing a lot of the quality fish. So, um, just something for you guys to think about something to practice on next time you're throwing a buzz bait, you know, pop that bitch up right on top of the water as soon as it hits and work on getting that technique, um, perfected because it will make a big difference. Um, also something, uh, it's kind of came to mind with a buzz bait. You can do it with a water pop or some, um, in, a lot of people probably already know this, but for those of you who don't, bumping your buzz bait off of something, so throwing it past the target, coming back into it, and bumping it off the target like a rock or a stump, that a lot of times will elicit a strike. So it's another little hot tip for you. Um, but yeah, that's all I have. Uh, I'm going to go back to bed. Um, that was pretty pretty quick episode, but hopefully it was full of information that you guys can use. A little bit different from our... Um, you know, normal episodes, but I will put up a post, um, of that, uh, these lures, I'll kind of hold them up for you guys so you can see them. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, thanks again for listening guys. Thanks for, um, you know, thanks for being patient with us. We haven't put a ton of stuff out lately, but I'll try to try to get that cranking more. Um, now that it's really cold out and, uh, yeah, as always free the fighter, baby. Oh man, I almost forgot. So last week, um, this guy that I don't really know, but his name is Josh Bean on Facebook, put um, a picture up of this monster of a smallmouth. And this thing is 
a butte. It's fat. It's got stripes. It's got a red eye. It's freaking monster. But anyways, um, commented on his photo and he, you know, said, Hey, like the podcast or whatever. So I wanted to give him a shout out. Josh Bean, donkey wrangler, official donkey wrangler with a 22 inch beast of a small mouth. So congrats on that one. I don't, I doubt he caught that, you know, here really recently. Cause it looks like he's, I don't know. He's in waders. So any, I think he lives in Tennessee. So anyways, and he's a fly fisherman and it looks like in the picture, he might have fly gear with him. So if he caught that on a fly, wow. Um, anyways, uh, thanks for the listening, Josh. You got a great name. And anyways, I'll try this again. Free the fighter, doggy.